and greetings. Happy Friday. We are wearing the exact same clothes we wore on the show yesterday. Because to us, yesterday is now. For some odd reason, Todd and Aaron think they deserve a longer Memorial Day weekend. They came to me and said, Mr. Scrooge, can I throw another coal into the fire? That's into the furnace? Happening. And of course, being the benevolent taskmaster that I am, I said, by all means, Mr. Cratchit, but not a coal more. So they have Friday off, but we are here recording Friday show with you on Thursday. It's more important for me, to, for me, for, for you to know from me that the show is not live than that we did not bathe. That's just the way I roll. It's more important. All right. So you are getting an original show, albeit not live here on Blaze TV, Friday heading into Memorial Day weekend. I am Steve Dace. He's Todd Erzin. He's Aaron McIntyre, joined momentarily for the Dace Group by our good friend, comedian Tim Young. And, of course, we'll get to Feedback Friday a little bit later on as well. You guys have big plans for the Memorial Day weekend? Yeah, I'm going to work. I'm going to come back in here and put in a new power supply in the $4,000 edit machine. That's, that's my plan. Is that going to be before or after you make some more end tables by hand? <laughs> well, <laughs> or, or, pond. Or, 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 yes, build your koi pond by hand. That's, well, that's my Saturday, building the koi pond. Todd, I, was, I was going to stain my deck, but I, I can put that on hold. There you go, Todd. What are you going to do? Just enjoy the last weekend uh, with the uh, oldest daughter. She's got to head back to Arkansas and do her thing. It is traditionally the biggest weekend of the year for home improvement projects is Memorial Day weekend. So uh, I won't be doing any of those, though. Uh, I already did a bunch of landscaping a couple weeks ago. I do have a Lord of the Rings day planned out. I've not done one in a few years. So I'm going to have a day where I'm just going to watch the extended versions. I used to do this every year at Christmas time, and I'm going to do that one day this weekend. I haven't done it in a few years, so I'm looking forward to that. All right. And with that, let us get to the Dace Group. Your weekly look at the week that was begins as it always does with issue one bleep Lord Nefarious says. Follow me. Funeral homes have been in Mathieu Baker's family for generations, but he recently expanded the kind of service he offers. So this is the room where you have the medical aid in dying. Yes, this is this is where it uh, it happens. You know, I just took my family to, to spring break in Florida recently, and I think about all of the folks who traveled there for sun and joy um, and peace and restoration, and to be reminded that actually this is getting to the point where Florida is about to be a terrorist state to, to many of us here in America, certainly as a lesbian, as a black woman. I don't want to have anything to do with the place. Away from my door. Let's let's get out of here. You can't do that. People who are approved for medical assistance in dying can come here with their doctor and loved ones to end their lives at a cost of at least seven hundred dollars. It's a lot of um, organization uh, on on our part to to really make it a respectful and uh, meaningful event for that for that family. And he's one of these guys who you know he's like Clarence Thomas. 
black Republican who believes in pulling yourself by your bootstraps, rather than, to me, understanding the systemic racism that African Americans face in this country and other minorities. He doesn't get it, neither does uh, Clarence. Right. And that's why they're Republicans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Aramis Anderson said, the last shall be first and the first shall be last. Receiving a Bachelor of Arts in Disciplinary Studies field, Political Economy, Legal Studies, and African American Studies. He said, disbursement and allocation, reparations for African Americans. It's what Michel Brunel recently opted for. His family says he had emphysema and his quality of life had deteriorated, but he didn't want to die at home or in the hospital. They're using a room that they have already, uh, decorated it very nicely. Uh, allowed us the time we needed to do what we had to do, to say goodbye, let him get comfortable. Uh, it's just it's just a beautiful option. Trans people, trans people belong here. We need trans people. We love trans people. Trans people belong here. We need trans people. Hi, it's me, Patty Gonia, a real-life homosexual. And today, I'm here with the North Face. We are here to invite you to come out in nature with us. A growing number of Quebecers have opted for medical assistance in dying since it became legal, from 63 people in 2015-16 to more than 3,000 in 2021-22. It was, it was great, but like, honestly, come on, LA. Like, we didn't sell the arena for our BG. Like, I expected more, you know, to be honest, right? Like, it was great, it was loud, but um, how, was, how was it not a sellout? How was it not a sellout? Um... Just me or a lot of square jaws in that montage. <laughs> this is our first question, Tim. You're up first. What among what you just witnessed, brother, was the most vile? Uh, obviously, the, uh, the the suicide assistance in the the um, funeral home. I mean, that's absolutely disgusting. But really, the the one thing, and I guess there wasn't a clip of it that Aaron could pull was the uh, the Satanist designing for Target to, topped that one even. So insane. He, he went on. Aaron went on vacation early, right? He didn't. He didn't have a uh, clip to pull of that Satanist. At Target. Well, that's because yeah. we're going to be talking about it in two minutes. Yes. Oh yes. my gosh. I'm sorry. I spoiled. No, it. it's just that Tim Young didn't have time to read the damn rundown. That's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> but duly noted. Yes. You, but no, in, in a way, Tim, you are correct. What Target has done is so despicable. It is literally getting its own segment. You are correct about that. Todd, what say you? The worst of the week may be that the reporter who showed up to the machete chick's house showed like no survival instinct whatsoever. <laughs> just he just kinda... stood there. He's like, I'm already dead inside. Just <laughs> just finish me. That's like, I don't know. Was that stone cold that he stood there and like didn't like flinch or anything That's, at all? Uh, could you look at it the other way? No. It was a badass. He's like, whatevs. I'm good. He, he's a reporter. What? He's suddenly Rocky Marciano now? <laughs> no. He's just dead inside. That's a perfect poster child for America right there. There's I, just I'm no... Glad in fact, I'm in favor of euthanasia, and I'm about to prove it. Yes. yes. By the way, I just did the quick math on that. That was from Canada, right, Aaron? Correct. Yeah, that, that, that Tim was talking about. I just did the math. So 36 or, or 60, uh, 63 people chose this in 2015. And last year, it was about 3,600 people, I think they said, right? So in less than a decade, assisted suicide, euthanasia, murder uh, in, in Canada of this variety, in less than a decade, has increased 5,438%. In less than a decade, 
438%. Wow. Aaron. I think it has to be Joy Behar. Now, you said you gave me a moratorium on placing view clips in the montage. Technically, this is not the montage. This is Bleep Lord Nefarious says. It's a different montage, Steve. Different montage. (laughs) That is the singularity, the singularity, the the one small point of infinite matter of the woke white woman lecturing black men on how to be black, followed up by a blacks-only commencement ceremony. Trying to make segregation great again. Now, you notice I I put all of those things in order, separated by assisted suicide. That, I think, is one of the most slick, diabolical montages I have ever produced. If I may say so myself. On the one hand, you have the black lesbian, the black lesbian... Florida's uh, a terrorist state. Florida's a terrorist state. Boom, cut to New York. There's a black lesbian with a machete to a reporter's (laughs) neck. White woke woman lecturing a black man on how to be black. Followed up in the same week. You can't make this up. Followed up in the same week by a blacks only commencement ceremony talking about reparations. You have a Nebraska at a state legislature. 99% of Americans can't get into Cal Berkeley, by the way. A, yeah, at a, a Nebraska state legislator uh, having a mental breakdown on the Senate floor, followed up by trans your jacket. <laughs> and then at the end, the cream de la cream. Why aren't more people buying our tickets? I got nothing. That that is one of the best rants you have ever gone on since you have come to work here, Aaron. That was that was you know that was par excellence. Joy, Go ahead, Tim. Yeah, Joy Behar does understand black people. She went in blackface like for a day once. Now it had to be a real struggle. Yes, for her. she she has literally walked a mile in their face. She has she has, <laughs> she has literally done this. Yes. Yeah, it was it's Joy Behar. Maybe a lap. Uh, let's get to the exit question. On a scale of one to ten. With one being the odds, Lindsey Graham does his own landscaping. And 10 being the odds that Lindsey Graham also hires out for his manscaping. No? I thought that was a good one. No? Didn't land? None of them are good. No. (laughs) Rank this week's... I haven't thought about it. I'm like, damn it, there's a comedian coming on this week. I got to bring this one home. That was the best I had. It was flat. Is Elon Musk running the tech on this show, too? Can anyone hear me? All right. Um, rate this week's level of total depravity, Aaron. Ten. Todd. I haven't done this in forever. I'm going with a nine, only because that one chick, if there's a lot of her that are, like, promising, I'm really never going to Florida again because you're terrorists. I'm, like, That's right. I'm, I'm in on that deal. Promise? Yeah. That gives me a ray of hope. We were thinking we might have to move this show to Texas one day. Maybe it'll be Florida. Indeed. Uh, Tim, go ahead. Uh, I'm going 12 this week. Usually I go <laughs> low numbers, but I'm going 12. Aaron, you told me, what did you tell me before we, the show about this montage? That was that one of the worst. It's you've ever one of done. the worst I've ever done. That's coming from the guy that does it every single week. And you, you give it, and you I got, give it a nine, only a nine. Yeah. Just because of that one. Chicken. What's in that cup over there, brother? Hey, if you call me a terrorist and promise to leave me alone for the rest of your life, I've, I find Sold. that promising. <laughs> that's a, that's a flirt. He's a Britney Griner fan, and he's upset that the, the arena didn't sell out, too. That's what it is. That's why it's <laughs> yeah. a nine. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, before we get on and march on with the show, because I just closed everything out. Uh-oh. 
You know what? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That's not going to happen because I closed everything out. So we'll go right to issue two. Holy War. Target has partnered with UK-based Satanist designer Abpralin on its new Pride collection, which features a Cure Transphobia sweatshirt, which bears the message, Cure Transphobia, not trans people, and other related items. As reported by Breitbart, Abpralin mixes its affinity for Satanism with its pro-LGBT activism, boasting on its Instagram page, quote, Satan loves you and respects who you are. You're important and valuable in this world, and you deserve to treat yourself with love and respect. LGBT plus people are so often referred to as being a product of Satan or going against God's will. So fine, we'll hang with Satan instead. Target has reportedly backed away from its agreement with the Satanists, at least in some stores. Meanwhile, in Los Angeles, the Dodgers of Major League Baseball announced recently that a group called Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence would not be honored during the team's Pride Night in June. That was, for the time, a rare step back towards sanity. Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are a group of homosexual men who dress up as nuns or a caricature of Jesus and are overtly blasphemous. That's all they do. And the Dodgers said they're not going to be honored at Pride Night. Until this week, when the Dodgers reversed course and apologized for the offense they caused by not including the blasphemers in their Pride Night lineup. It's pretty obvious what this is. It's a rival religion and a religion of dominion and power. Before we get to first question, our friends over at Jace Medical want to remind you that everybody that Aaron just showed you is backed by the very same people that tried to take uh, medications you needed during a pandemic away. They're all the same people. All the same people. And they will do it to you again. If given the opportunity, don't give them that opportunity. Jace Medical has added a brand new weapon to their arsenal. The 12-month backup supply of your prescription medication in case of emergency. And this has a wide-ranging list and menu of medications dealing with cholesterol, diabetes, heart health, blood pressure, even mental health, and more. Make sure that you have the peace of mind of knowing You've got a backup plan for when they let's go Brandon you again. All right, get that peace of mind from our friends over at Jace Medical, J-A-S-E, J-A-S-E for jacemedical.com. Enter the code DACE at checkout for a discount on your order at jacemedical.com, promo code DACE for a discount. So I thought one of the most astute things I saw posted on social media this week actually came from one of uh, the panelists here. Mr. Tim Young. And Tim tweeted out earlier this week, quote, if there are more than two genders, how come there are only two options for gender reassignment surgery? Like, can I go in and get non-binary, cisgendered, um, photosexual reassignment surgery? Is that is that available at any gender clinic in America? No? Nope. No. Some okay. people have been turned into, like, dragon people. <laughs> True, um, but not medically. Um, here's the thing, though, that, I, that stuck out to me about this clip and why I wanted to go to it. Uh, I'm sorry, this quote and I wanted to go to it is, is because what Tim is asserting here is logic. What he is exposing is a logical fallacy. It doesn't show up and stand up to, and I mean any level of pushback, like none, like you don't have to be able to host your own two-hour podcast like I do. You don't have to be able to travel the country doing live stand-up like Tim does. You don't have to like the taste of vinegar 
like Todd, or make end tables with your bare hands and koi fish ponds like Aaron. All right? You don't have to be able to do any of those things. Um, you just have to be you and not be insane. Literally, just not, literally not be insane. And you can make these sorts of logical arguments. And yet, many are buying in. I just gave you guys the percentage increase of what's happened with euthanasia in Canada in less than a decade. I could, I, I could run the math right now on gender reassignments in the U.S. in less than a decade, and I'll, you can bet your ass that increase is also probably about 5,648% in the last decade. When people don't listen to logic and buy into things that are clearly illogical and easily proven to be illogical, it is not merely insanity. It is an article of faith. True or false, Todd? Oh, that's absolutely true. I think we are in uh, Jonathan Kahn, Return of the Gods uh, territory, mm-hmm. where he very effectively laid out the degree of uh, uh, demonic possession uh, in um, pagan uh, civilizations. I think we're also in the territory uh, of the movies you just uh, mentioned earlier, Steve, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I, it's hard. It is, you know, how do you wrap your brain around this? What, why does the rubber band never snap back? Why is there no common sense? Well, what, what does Occam's razor say? There, there are forces at work here that are not of this world. And early on, Aaron's the, razor, you mean, but yes, there it's are, just demonic, bro. Yeah. Thank are, you. There are so many razors, so little wrists. I get it. Go ahead. <laughs> there are, uh, now I lost my train of thought. Uh, oh, uh, Lord of the Rings early on in that movie, Gandalf comes visit his old friend Bilbo and he reaches in the pocket in the ring and you see the affable smoking how are you let me give you yep. and all of a sudden you see him turning into Gollum his like, totally changes and that, he yeah. goes why shouldn't I have it that's that's what's happening people have be- there are Gollums in our midst real life Gollums and Jared that's that Nebraska legislator in Aaron's montage yes. a moment ago yeah and yeah. Jared Tolkien was he's, he's a Christian he's a, he's a man of faith he was trying to tell you through all of that, about real life. And we are right there at the end of all things now. Tim, I am curious, your perspective is a guy that uses humor to make points. Um, and, and humor can often be used as a serrated edge to sort of break down barriers to get to, uh, to fundamental truths that maybe in other sectors of the culture people wouldn't hear it or take it from. And, and, and this tweet that you put out just asserting a clear logical um, a, a, you know, premise and conclusion. Are you seeing that the audience for people that you are able to reach with either logic or humor is growing or shrinking in the country as you travel around? It's growing. Uh, and that's, that's kind of the, the positive side of all of this. By the way, I want to clarify at the beginning... Uh, this was not in my rundown. This story. I was so I was so worried I'd offend Aaron. I went back. This is how how touchy I am with you guys. How I love you guys. I went back to my notes. And I'm like, this is definitely not in my rundown. I didn't see this story. So I'm sorry that I I spoiled it earlier. But, uh, dude, the audience is growing for this, um, for logic, for for the want out of this cult. This cult is not as large as you think it is. They're just getting the amplification from the corporate media. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, this is the first time I wrote an op-ed on. 
this is the first time I've really participated in a boycott. I stopped watching uh, Major League Baseball a couple of years ago when they went Black Lives Matter. I never went back. Um, this time with the Target thing, I was literally copy pasting the quotes from this freak that that is a Satanist. And it turned my stomach. I cannot believe our society is where we are right now with this. I can't believe a major corporation would partner with them. And we need to be as outraged as, about this as the left would be if Target signed a deal with a Christian designer that only put Bible verses on shirts. Hmm. I never thought I would, Aaron, when I started doing this full time in 2006, I never thought I would do a show which uttered the phrase, Target agreed to cut ties with a Satanist. I mean, that's essentially one of the, yeah. that was one of the lines that you had in your in your lead up to this, uh, right? The the the, yeah. the the intro. I mean, that just let's just stop and consider the magnitude of that statement for a second. Target agreed to cut ties with a Satanist, which of course implies that they had once done what? Um, made ties, connected ties with said Satanist. You can't cut ties with a Satanist unless you have ties with said Satanist. Um, and for people that don't have long memories, back during the original marriage amendment fights in the 90s and the early 2000s, Target was one of the big donors to those causes. And then they turned around and became the first national retail chain to have the unisex bathrooms and let the, the guys that feel pretty into the girls' restrooms. And, and now here we are, and Aaron is uttering the phrase, and I quote, Target agreed to cut ties with the Satanist. Aaron, your thoughts? Except at the same time, basically affirming everything that the Satanists did and were bringing to market. I thought probably the most um, insightful reaction to this, or at least one of them that I saw this week, was from our colleague Oran McIntyre, who tweeted, Reminder that there's no such thing as ironic Satanism. <laughs> so, I mean, you just stumbled onto it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Didn't mean to. Fell into that one. Well, no, I never saw it coming. I yeah. actually took this a different way. The satanic panic of the 80s and then the so-called, you know, there's every now and then we see videos of uh, of people, you know, getting pentagram tattoos or getting, mm. uh, you know, just kind of you know, trying to jab and uh, irk the, uh, the, the olds. Nothing about that is ironic and it's never a troll. It really is at its heart truly demonic. The difference between now and the 80s, though, is they're just coming right out and saying it. It's just, you know, hey, we got to keep this under wraps. This is a subculture. No, this is mainstream culture. Target is one of the biggest retailers on the face of the planet, if not top five. I don't know. And so coming out and just, yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we're, 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 we're proud to partner with the Satanists here. Uh, that is... That is, um, that's a shot across the bow. The same week, the same week that the L.A. Dodgers are like, yeah, sure, the blasphemers, uh, the, the, the people who damn themselves to hell just because it's Tuesday. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, it's not that they're invited. They're going to be honored at Pride Night for the L.A. Dodgers. I, I don't know how much more obvious this can get to people. This is a religion. And it's a religion of dominion and power and control. And they will keep pushing buttons and pushing buttons and pulling levers and pulling levers until enough, a critical mass, say, no more, you don't get to do this. In other words, if you are uncertain who it is, whom it is that rules over you, 
just discover whom it is you're not allowed to offend. Correct. Right? As that kind of what. Now, Aaron, mm-hmm. the other for for Tim and Todd, uh, Aaron was not alive during the Titanic Panic of the '80s, and the closest he came to it was the last season of Stranger Things. The three of us were. We grew up in that era, right? Okay, and so. You know, my kids are listening to Motley Crue, Shout at the Devil. Should I look for uh, goat or bunny gleanings from the sacrifices in their bedroom? That, that, I mean, that, that's kind of what was going on when we were kids. It was very clear it was a phase. It was really not much different than what our parents did with Alice Cooper and, 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 and uh, Black Sabbath uh, in a previous era, it was clearly a, a phase, a symbol of teenage rebellion. Then eventually we realized that we wanted to, you know, go ahead and have sex with girls and we married them and had kids and families and grew up. Okay. What I hear Aaron, and if I'm putting words in your mouth here, Aaron, feel free to correct me. What I hear you lamenting is that you don't believe this is a phase because it is followed by policy, right? Like there wasn't a shout at the devil display well, that's at Target. Okay. Like when we were kids, mom, mom, mom and dad didn't take us to, you know, and, and there was, there was the shout of the devil onesie with Vince Neal's, uh, you know, face on it. Okay. They, they, that didn't happen. Okay. And instead it, that stuff is happening and you see public policy associated with this language at the exact same time, which would seem to indicate it's a lot more than just a rebellious phase phase or a counterculture of some kind. Yeah, you go to Motley Crue back in that area and you say, uh, I, you know, they're screaming, I'm counterculture, I'm the red light district. Uh, would you like to sponsor a line at Target and babysit my children? They're like, you don't, do you understand? No, I'm yes. telling you, I'm dangerous. Yes. <laughs> That's the name we're like, right. no, you don't want your children around me. I mean, I just, I'm in and out of rehab every week. No, now, yes. now the modern version of this is, oh yes, I, I will teach your children I, yes. all my ways. Yes. Tim, your thoughts on that? Yeah, they were uh, they were badass, but they weren't groomers. By the way, the the other thing here that that I need to bring up is that your your movie screwed me up in a good way, uh, Steve. After I saw that, I really had a different perspective on the manipulation of the world. And again, that's why this the Satanist stuff like just hit me, gave me goosebumps and and turned my stomach in 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 the right way. Mm-hmm. But it's because your movie messed me up in the right way. Well, that's a compliment. Thank you very much. One other thing to consider here is. What does it say? Let's let's say that th- that it's not intentional Satanism, but it's in but it but it it's a it's a willingness to go ahead and voluntarily attach yourself to it as a brand See, that- in order to further cement. I want everybody here to know I don't believe in the moral values that founded your society, and I'm here to destroy them. And I will even take ownership of whatever are the darkest symbols that mm-hmm. that worldview says it fears, I will take ownership out of it to, to, to spite you and to confirm for you, I am here to to destroy your belief system. See, I think that's kind of more along the lines of what I was trying to say. Even the 80s, the stuff in the 80s, there's no, I would, I would even uh, enlarge Oron's statement that I said a few, uh, a few minutes ago. There's no such thing as unintentional Satanism, whether it's a phase or not, or here to stay. There's no such thing as unintentional Satanism, paganism. It is or it isn't. There's always, it's always, it's a tale as old as time, literally. 
it is the dark versus the light. That's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. It, it says what it's always said. I've said it long on this show. This is all ultimately about God killer mm-hmm. yeah. stuff. That's what it is. Or what's the you, other phrase you have? Stained glass, yeah. window smashers. I use that a lot when I'm on the road speaking, yeah, yeah. by the way. So thank you. That, that yeah. is what it is. I mean, you, you talk to the, the, it's all trans. It's all trans. You get even her to quiet down for, you can get her to connect absurd logical dots, but her next honest sentence would be, I know, but don't you understand? I hate you, mm-hmm. and I hate God, and that's it. So we're just back at Mount Carmel. These are prophets yeah. of Baal kind yes. of stuff. All right, exit question. I want you guys to rank these three groups in the order you think they are, from largest to smallest, all right? True spirit-of-the-age believers, like the Nebraska legislator pounding the lectern for the trannies. Believers in America's founding principles, people who on some level get where this country came from and would like to uh, return it to that or keep it that way. Or those whom don't know what they believe about these sorts of existential questions on any level. Which group do you think is largest to smallest? Aaron. CBA. So you think those whom don't know what they believe is the largest group? Correct. Okay. Tim, what do you think? I think it's BCA. I have a little bit more faith. I like the guy who's been out on the road talking to more people than us is the one that's optimistic. That makes me feel better. Todd. I'm with Aaron. Okay. What's more dangerous? Quick follow-up. What's more dangerous? True spirit of the age believers or those whom don't know what they believe? What's more dangerous? Todd. Oh, the, the spirit of the age. ones. Yeah. I mean, they, they don't need to have that many to do incredible damage. Aaron? Those who don't know what they believe. See, I tend to agree with that. What do you think, Tim? Yeah, those who don't know what they believe. Yeah, because I think they're enabling. I think yeah, the, three, the two, three of us would say they're the ones enabling that spirit of the oh, age. Oh, they are, group. but sheep yeah. aren't dangerous. They're just sheep. That's a good point, too. That's a good point, too. All right, thank you for that reminder, Mr. Augustine. I appreciate it. We'll come back. Is the field now set? And we'll discuss that and more next. Show. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show here on Blaze TV radio and podcast, heading into a Memorial Day weekend. If, by the way, if you are concerned about some of the indoctrination going on in the culture that we were just discussing of a dark variety. If you're looking for an education option for your child to get them back into the light, check out our friends over at Freedom Project Academy. I know these people personally. I worked with them uh, in the fight against Common Core back in the day. Uh, Dr. Duke Pesta and his team who established the school. My own son Noah attended FPA for a couple of years, so I saw firsthand in my own home as a homeschool dad uh, how they operate and what they do, and what they do is absolutely excellent. It's an online academy Real-time learning built on Judeo-Christian values and classical curriculum. And you may wonder, because that's kind of a buzzword right now in alternative education, classical curriculum, what does that mean? Um, It it means that they help your child learn uh, how to think, not what to think, so critical thinking. Uh, They help your child learn mastery of subject matter that matters, not uh, how to be mastered as subjects by the government in in the total state. Uh, If you want a free information packet to see if it's a good fit for you and your family, 
All right, go to freedomforschool.com. That's F-O-R, freedomforschool.com. Now, you might be thinking, hey, we've already investigated it, or it sounds so great right now, I'm sold. Hey, now's a great time to sign up. Get 10% off your tuition if you enroll today at freedomforschool.com. Again, 10% off your tuition if you enroll today at freedomforschool.com. All right, let us now get to issue three. As we welcome back conservative comedian Tim Young for the Dace Group. Is the field now set? One moment, please. <laughs> One moment, please. One moment, please. We are buffering. We are buffering. Perfect. I like it. And here we go. Thank you. So far, there are six candidates who have declared they're running for the Republican nomination for president. Former President Donald Trump, former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley, businessman Vivek Ramaswamy, former Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson, South Carolina Senator Tim Scott, and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Other notables who have not totally shut down the possibility of running are former Vice President Mike Pence, New Hampshire Governor Chris Sununu, Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin, and South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem. Now is the part where most shows would bring up polls, but they're all trash at this point, so we'll leave it there. So let's just go ahead and throw Pence in there. Uh, he was making the rounds in Iowa earlier this week. I, I think it's pretty clear he's going to make some uh, campaign, and I'm kind of counting him in. So let's throw him in. Uh, Noam, uh, Sununu, and Christy I'm not as sure about. There's uh, a lot of rumors right now about both Christy and Sununu, but we shall see. So let's start with you, Aaron. Is the, is the 2024 GOP presidential field now set, or do you think we could end up adding Chris Christie and Chris Sununu? Two East Coast governors, one a former governor, one a current one. Um, one, both of, one was a, a, Democrat, a governor in a Democratic state. Another one has one of the highest favorabilities in the country right now in Chris Sununu. So uh, are we waiting on them? Do they even matter, or is the field that matters what's already on the field now? Oh, if that's the question, if, if the field that matters is set, the answer is most assuredly yes. Because even if Chris Sununu gets in and takes New Hampshire off the map, it's not really going to make. He don't, I don't think he really has that much of a chance nationally. So we're really ask. We're really talking about Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis here, and uh, maybe a, a small, you know, ten percent or less chance for some other unknown figure right now that's uh, kind of uh, bringing up the rear. So I, I <coughs> excuse me. I think the field that matters is indeed set, and uh, I, I'm not really sure who else could jump conceivably jump in other than uh mike pence chris sununu i don't I, chris christie what you doing isn't he run already twice or maybe just once i'm not really sure this what, is where tim the comedian comes in and says chris christie needs to run a lot of times <laughs> right right <laughs> tim did i beat go. you yeah. did i beat you to the punch i'm sorry i didn't mean to steal your thunder Dude, I said Chris Christie never runs. <laughs> oh, that's even better. Chris Christie never runs. Nice. Go ahead, Aaron. Finish so, up. So uh, I, I think the field is indeed set. The field that matters is indeed set. Now, the field overall, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of flux even this summer, but the field that matters is indeed set. Can I ask all you guys a question? Because it seems like we have broken this down already. And Tim, of course, you haven't been here, so you can say whatever you want when I bring it to you here in just a moment. Feel free to chime in on any other stuff you've heard us talk about if you want. But I am. I was talking about this with somebody today, and I am genuinely one of my little birdies because I don't know. I've never been to New Hampshire ever, so I I, I don't know the lay of the land there. Don't know the, the closest I've come to New Hampshire is our is our colleague Robino, who's from that area. Okay, but that's it. I don't, I, that's the closest I've come. Never been there. You know, if if do New Hampshire conservatives want their governor to run 
so that there is really no relevance of the New Hampshire primary. Like, I don't know. Like, Iowans take their role in the vetting process very seriously. And Iowans do not believe that they are kingmakers. They don't claim that. They, Iowans really don't want, they think it's, it would, it, it would just not be Iowan to think that you should go first as a small state and pick for everybody else. Iowans really like to, in, in both parties it's this way, like to kind of look at the whole field for eight months to a year and then they're like, you know, I like that person and that person's kind of cuckoo, but you know, he's fun and this person's interesting and maybe you should take another look at and that one's electable. Here's three or four people. We looked at the whole field. Here's two or three, four people that, you know, we kind of, you know, we, we liked the best after seeing them up close and personal and you guys kind of take it from here, you know. Now, New Hampshire from afar always struck me as the place that says, well, we elect presidents. Iowans pick corns, pick corn, we pick presidents. Do, do, we, do they want their governor to jump in in a race he probably has no chance to win and just essentially take them completely out and make their primary irrelevant? Thoughts on that? Anybody have a thought? Tim, have you been up there at all? Yeah, I, uh, I drove through it during Christmas and I spent nearly two hours in that state. So I'm an expert. Uh, <laughs> That's two hours more than me. It's it's a very boring place. And I could see like, again, you have to remember who's running these Republican clubs. And I'm sure you deal with this in Iowa, just like I do in in Grapevine, Texas. Right. It's a lot of geeks who want to feel really, really important. So Mm -hmm. if they do get uh, that is that is a potential uh, concept that they're like, hey, we can get our governor in here and we can uh, we can mess this up and say, like, he is he's the more important one to us. And, you know, we don't want to get involved or we can kingmake or whatever, however you want to say it. It just depends on the geeks in charge when it comes to these uh, local Republican clubs. And I'd imagine with less things to do uh, than, than in most states, like in New Hampshire, they'd feel more empowered to play around like that. Because, I mean, it gives them, you know, I don't even know if they have much Internet in that state anymore or even cable. So, uh, <laughs> you know, they can mess around with politics. I, for one, <laughs> cannot okay, say how much I appreciate that sentiment and that statement from Tim. How many times have you guys... Iowa picks corn, or New Hampshire picks winners. I, I appreciate that. There are yokels in both states, guys. Uh, Tim just assured I may not ever be able to go to New Hampshire, as a matter of fact, and I, I appreciate that. I just discussed going to the Iowa State Fair. We are going to the Iowa State Fair, and we'll probably come by and, and say hello to you, Steve, Absolutely. when we do that. Oh, but, there's some great uh, material. We're, going, we're driving through the middle of the country uh, in a couple of days here, Memorial Day weekend, and we're avoiding Iowa. There's nothing to do there. It sucks. <laughs> Years ago, I put together a parody video of the Iowa State Fair. I'm, I, I should send it to you. And uh, um, I'm, I'm not going to say anything more, and I'll just send it to you, and I think yeah, you'll, get a big, you'll get a big kick out of it. Todd, what about you? You think if you were a New Hampshire conservative, would you be like, you know what, this, thing, this thing's already dumb, it's already divisive, please just stay the hell out of here, okay? Everything's great here. Or, no, I don't want my governor making my primary vote irrelevant. I was going to get a, you know, a bird's eye seat in this process. Don't take that away from me. Uh, didn't we just do a poll about sheep and people who are totally checked out? So I don't, I'd actually give them credit if they had that much thought about this, but I don't think they do. I want to know what is Sununu's relationship with Trump? I honestly, I have, I have no idea. I don't know. See, that's a question to know. me. See, and, and it reflects on the entire issue. To me, this seems like if he seems like he's being a potential, None of the DeSantis obsession for a guy who supposedly has no chance is polling low, but everybody, you know, it's he's broken Nikki Haley, and Trump couldn't break Nikki Haley. In fairness, so I don't know how much of an achievement it is to break Nikki Haley, but Trump didn't. Okay. We t- we said it on the show. Okay, I mean so, Nick, Nikki so, Haley. Nikki Haley claims she unknowingly booked an event in New York City, a fundraiser last year, where you were mandated to take the poison poke to go in she has booked an event in iowa that coincides in the same location 
with a drag queen story time hour. All right, so, but uh, but I digress. You finish your point. My my mistake. point is 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 Sununu uh, a safeguard to take New Hampshire off the map if DeSantis wins Iowa, and then we go to South Carolina, and you can. You, where you said Trump has yeah, Ron, his best Ron DeSantis chance. DeSantis is not going to win South Carolina. I can just tell you that right now. So instead of having potential two wins in a row, maybe DeSantis only gets one before you go to South Carolina. I, I hadn't thought about that angle. So let's consider because that. Because all of them, Vivek, they're, all, they're just all in there. Trump right now is the guy you have to beat, right? No, they're not talking about Trump. They're all talking about DeSantis. So why do I think this field night might be set? For all these reasons. They're going to bring in, yeah, Christie's going to come in and talk about, you know, somehow he's going to be comes obsessed. comes down the aisle like George the Animal Steel and you know, eats the turnbuckle and joins the yeah, He'll the be battle obsessed royale. with DeSantis for no discernible reason whatsoever. <laughs> he'll Rubio him like he did in, New, isn't that what he did to Rubio in the New Hampshire primary last time? That's a, that's a fascinating point. All right, real quick. Whom would it benefit more, Trump or DeSantis, for New Hampshire to be taken off the table? Or is the answer, well, it comes down to who wins Iowa. Because if DeSantis doesn't win Iowa, it doesn't matter. It does, but they're obviously all very afraid that DeSantis isn't really just some schlep 25 points behind. They're really afraid that he can win Iowa because Ted Cruz beat Donald Trump in Iowa. What do you think, Tim? Who would it benefit more? Or do you think it comes down to what happens in Uh, Iowa? Trump. It would benefit Trump. I, I really think so. I, for the New Hampshire to for New Hampshire to come off the board, I think it would benefit Trump. Um, I, I, you know better than me, obviously, because you're you're there in that state, and you can probably hear people talk from miles away because no one lives there. Uh, <laughs> that DeSantis. <laughs> DeSantis is probably. It's all because we have very fine audible hygiene, Tim. Very good audible (laughs) hygiene here in Iowa. We are everything, including what you just said. Go ahead. Yes. But I I, I think DeSantis takes Iowa and then uh, the next two states. I always said it was going to come down to the first three states here, uh, whether or not it was going to be Trump or DeSantis. And uh, Trump may have trouble in New Hampshire. So this this is going to be a very, very interesting race. And uh, thank God it's not decided by Twitter pundits. Don't you live in Texas, Tim? Yeah. Yeah. Shut your border, big mouth. <laughs> Come back to no us when you've got a southern border, dude. All right. I have no control over that, and as most congressional Democrats say, I mean that makes the labor cheap here, so it keeps our food prices low. Right? <laughs> There's the that too. Aaron, who do you think it benefits more? I largely agree with Tim's analysis because I think in that scenario, Donald Trump's going to get the last word of the first three states, and I think that benefits him going in. <laughs> I thought you were going to say I agree with Tim's analysis. I hate Iowa, too. I, I can't hear a damn thing, actually. I had no Nothing. I had no idea there were so many jokes about New Hampshire. Um, let's get to the exit question. Which of these confirmed 2024 candidates do you think lasts the longest? All right. Since we're not counting Mike Pence as uh, a confirmed in Aaron's montage, I'll, I'll, th- I'll throw another name in there. Fair? Okay. Asa Hutchinson. Vivek Ramaswamy or RFK Jr., who lasts the longest? RFK Jr., I think he's just, he, he knows he's not going to win, but he's got something to say, so he'll say I'll it. I'll say it again. If I'm RFK Jr., I'm getting a hold of Elon Musk, and I'm doing one of those Twitter spaces yeah. like tomorrow. Yeah. All right, Aaron? I agree with that, uh, although I could see Vivek just kind of holding on, holding on, holding on. Of course, because Dude, nothing matters in... God wants to punish us. The answer is probably going to be Asa Hutchinson. <laughs> <laughs> Running on the platform to bring back the masks. 
Did you guys see Political ran a story that said if Iowa conservatives were smart, Asa Hutchinson is the candidate, they would, they would write, because that's who Democrats really, they just, I'm not kidding you, that showed up in my inbox. They wrote that. They wrote that piece. I am ashamed that they once paid me to write for them. They clearly will take anybody. Tim, oh what do you God. think? Who lasts the longest? Didn't Asa also uh, veto the bill that would have taken uh, men out of women's sports? That's right. Pop- yes. Yeah, I forgot about that. You're right about that. Yep, he did. Because that one shocked me. Uh, it's going to be RFK Jr., and I wouldn't be shocked if he ran as an independent. Hmm. Kicker question quickly. All right. One addition, one ups- one subtraction from the 2024 presidential field, and it can be on either side. Todd, go. Well, quickly, one addition is uh, going to be, well... Let's throw Ted Cruz in there. Why not? Okay. What's Let's, your subtraction? My subtraction. Oh, who's got to go? Uh, I, I, Vivek. I think he's just taking up space. I got to admit, man, I'm a sucker for evangelistic missions. I liked the whole going to Chicago thing, man, and talking to people there. I liked it. I'm just right. a sucker for mission, for missionary stuff. Have. Yeah. Then he buried the lead. He should have started there because. Okay. Tim, what do you think? One addition, one subtraction. Uh, uh, the subtraction is going to be Nikki Haley because, I mean, we already forget her. Like, I, I didn't even remember she was running today. And the addition, I would put Big Mike on the Democrat side. <laughs> hmm. Why? Because uh, uh, it's time for a trans president. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> I don't have any throat surgeries coming up like Joan Rivers, so I'm safe. The, the 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 culture going from a dementia a feeble dementia president to a tranny president that's providential uh, metaphor the, branding right there the crowd just chanting big mike big mike it's great <laughs> go ahead quickly aaron subtraction would be donald trump addition would be tucker carlson i'm surprised Ooh. nobody said donald trump tucker carlson would be incredible i mean it would be absolutely incredible all right predictions aaron go I'm going to say by July 4th, at least two currently running uh, candidates for president on either side are going to drop out. So right around the corner. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I was at Halloween last week. You, you uh, pardon the French or the pun, you, you trumped me. Aaron, or I'm sorry, Todd, you're Todd. Uh, DeSantis, uh, back when Trump was running, I, I talked about the, how crucial it was to be able to talk about multiple issues at one time. DeSantis is going to be aggressively putting issues forward before issues define him and making Trump react to them. And he's going to be doing it strategically with issues that he knows it's very difficult for Trump to react to. He's going to be defining the storylines more aggressively than any Republican candidate in our lifetime, Steve. He has to do what you just said. Has to. Otherwise, Trump takes all the oxygen out of the room and you're following him. Tim, go quickly, please. Uh, some Someone reminds Trump when his contract is up with Truth Social and he immediately jumps back on Twitter. Yeah, I, I, I guarantee you when they finally got that audio working last night, lawyers at Truth Social were combing through yeah. their SPC agreements and everything else, figuring out how, when the hell can we get out of this deal and bury this sucker. Yeah. Uh, prediction for me, Democrats will make no major concessions in the debt ceiling fight, believing that they don't have to. Uh, they can go ahead and default, let their the, let their media blame Republicans, most of whom also cares more what the Democrat media thinks, so they will cave. Uh, so there will be only default or cave, uh, because Republicans aren't just willing to send Biden a check for the interest and say, hey, hot potato, your turn. They're not willing to do that. And so we've done all this before. Um, you're just going to watch. You're going to watch Kevin McCarthy hold out a little longer than John Boehner did in previous eras, but it just the the song remains the same. 
That's in fact, I just literally had that texted to me from a little birdie. In fact, let me tell you what uh, th- this is the text I received from a little birdie on Capitol Hill right before we started to tape today's show. Quote, these mother bleepers are predictably cutting a bleepy deal. So prepared for me to go scorched earth. That was from a little birdie of mine on Capitol Hill. So there you go. And no one is feigning any shock yeah. at all. Tim, always good to see you, brother. All right. Have a great weekend. Take care. See ya. Thanks. You bet. We'll come back. It'll be Feedback Friday when you next see us next. Back here for hour two, not live, but on demand. We are alive, at least I hope, at the time that you were recording this with the three of us still are. Uh, we're just not live. We are recording this because Todd and Aaron came to me with the, the puppy ears back, uh, you know, very smited and said, can we please, uh, can we please have an extra day? And I just, you know, I, I patted him on the head and rubbed him well actually I didn't do that because that's okay yeah yeah I didn't do that part yes yeah, just this is on, not I, Lindsey Graham I just the, stopped right and the cosmos <laughs> is punishing you for what you've been doing here I know our eyes are there's no unintentional Satanism is there unintentional homoeroticism because they're think <laughs> that be unintentional please someone tell me that can be unintentional please someone thank you it Aaron is. rescue us with talk of koi ponds please <laughs> <laughs> Never, you know what? You they just want another damn day off, and I gave it to them. So we're recording the show. All right, that's what happened. It's just that's nothing so weird about it at all. Not cringe. Stupid. <laughs> Should just said that. All right, and you can email me. All right. <laughs> that Lindsey Graham joke is less uncomfortable than that became. Soon we do Steve Dace jokes. <laughs> Steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, Me, We, and Gab. You can follow me at Steve Dace Show on Twitter. Get her an Instagram, and then also find me on Truth Social while you can. Because if Trump's coming back to Twitter, that thing ain't going to be around much longer. Uh, and that is at Real Steve Dace there. At Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. Uh, don't forget, for those of you listening to the podcast, we appreciate you. Please show your appreciation for us by hitting the subscribe or follow button if you're doing so via iTunes. And also, uh, you can give us a five-star review. No, really, you can if you like the show. If you like, I don't like it. Well, then don't lie. But if you do like it or kind of like it, definitely please give us a five-star review. And thank you to all of you that have done that. Thank you as well to our friends over at Patriot Mobile. They are leaders, pioneers even in the parallel economy. And thankfully, although there's not a lot of other great options out there, thankfully one place where there is is with your mobile phone. Uh, One device that we all need nowadays. Make the switch to Patriot Mobile. They're America's only American mobile phone company. They offer such great customer service. For example, you can get access to all three major carrier networks and switch anytime you want for free if you're a member of Patriot Mobile. So you move to a part of the city, state, 
where the signal that you had is not as good as what it was before or another part of the country, make the switch at Patriot Mobile. And you can do so by going to patriotmobile.com slash Steve, patriotmobile.com slash Steve, and you'll use uh, the offer code Steve to get a free activation when you go there. And you can also call them at 878-PATRIOT. Can I ask you a question? Of course. It's been going through my head the more we talk about it. It's not do, gay. Do you is think it? it's not? No, okay. It's definitely not. You okay. got you. You took that off the table. Thank you. Uh, it's um, is DeSantis? Is it a formal part of the DeSantis campaign that they are trying to get Trump to rejoin Twitter? It's like Colonel Jessup. They wa- he wants to say it. They want he wants to say he ordered the code red. They hmm. they want him. By showing how how fun, how popular it is, get in, talk all the time. We know how that goes for you. You have far less of a chance of staying on message when you can blab like this all the time. Or is it just like they're they're doing their thing, whatever, you do yours? Or is it formally? Do they see like because listen, I mean you've diagnosed this. Like you you said whether it's entertaining or not, a good for like it Trump has a potential to be a better man if he stays off. Well, you, I I told you I yeah. told you when he left office, you will watch his negatives go down. Yeah, right. Because he's banned on these social media platforms, and that's exactly right. what happened. Now he's been reinstated on the on Facebook and Twitter. I don't think he's returned to either one yet. And his negatives, the last I saw, were minus one, which still is not great. But guys, he was like minus twenty. So I mean, he has made a dramatic right. improvement by the least by lesser exposure. So. Um, I don't, I, I, I've had like no strategic conversations right. with the DeSantis campaign. I've not been in part of that or anything. And so I don't know the que- the answer to, to that. I will tell you though, that just based on history, the more exposure people got to Trump via Twitter, the, the less, po- mm-hmm. once we got into the general population, especially the less popular he was, there's just simply no denying that point. And that's why many of us in, in this line of work made made uh, statements like, hey, great job making the mean tweets go away, and now look what's happened to, you know, a systemic, you know, decline of American society, because we all recognize the role that that played. I, I do think what you are, what you have seen in the first 24 hours of the DeSantis campaign, and by the time people listen to this, it'll be the first 48, and who knows what happens there for the next 24, mm-hmm. because we won't have been on the air. It's very clear the first 24, man, they have come out swinging. I mean, using clips of Don Jr. praising Ron DeSantis for not closing down the beaches against Don Sr. Uh, they've got this montage of all the times that Trump complimented Ron DeSantis. In, 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 and, they, and they've inter, interspersed it in this thing that Trump just put out on Thursday. Yeah. Okay, that's just completely and totally a lie. I don't know how else to put it. What he said about Florida and its COVID performance is just factually inaccurate. It's not an exaggeration. It's not a campaign embellishment. It's not a spin. It's just it's just a literal lie. Um, and 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 they have made it very clear that they are not intimidated at all. At least not in a digital world. Now it is different standing on a stage with somebody in in front of a crowd, you know. But. Um, we not we don't we're not going to see that for two or three more months. And Trump's already talked about not even doing the debates. That would kill him. I'm just telling you right now. He'd be he especially in Iowa, dead, 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 deader than dead if he punked out and and didn't do the debates. But we're still a few months or a couple of months, two and a half months away from the first debate. So the digital world is all we're going to see between right. the two. And they have set a tone very early that they are coming out swinging. They're not, they're not. Yeah. 
They are ready, prepared. They're going right back at his team, right back at his social media influencers. Um, and it will be, it'll be fascinating to watch. Um, if, if I were, how do I put this? If, if I were a, consci- a, a conscientious member of Trump's most ardent support group. So not like a, a Laura Loomer who, frankly, that woman just, I think, she, and I'm not, I don't mean this to be derogatory. I just think there's some, some issues there. Okay. Um, I'll just, let me throw out a name as an example. Somebody like Steve Bannon. I don't know Steve Bannon at all. Never met him. Never spoken to him. Never been on War Room. Um, I've had differences, disagreements with him from afar. I also can tell you that as much as anybody, he has done as much singular work as anybody, myself, anybody we've had on the show, in exposing the, the poison, the level of poison and, and rot and fraud of Operation Warp Speed. I mean, his partnership with Naomi Wolf has been I'm talking hero to the Republic kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. It has saved countless lives, probably countless would-be families, their fertility, countless people, their immune systems. So that is someone that I would I would say is is conscientious, is not just a grifter or I'm you know, and we know who a lot of those people are. Um, or maybe I'm just emotionally disturbed, and this is the closest thing I have to meaning and a, and a movement. Frankly, I think that's somebody like Laura Loomer from what I've seen from afar. And like, wasn't she the lady that chained herself or something? Yeah. And it just, it, that's just, there's just a lot of erratic behavior there, frankly. So if I'm somebody like a Steve Bannon and I'm, I'm serious about this, it's not just a game to me. I am playing, I believe I'm on the game of risk. I'm on the risk board playing the game of save Western civilization. I'd put him in that group. Fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. If I'm like somebody like him, what would concern me greatly moving forward? is the issue ground is shrinking beneath Trump's feet. What you said and predicted a little while ago about them just coming at it, the DeSantis people coming at this from every issue. I mean, so we're sitting here, it's 3.40 Central Time on Thursday afternoon. So Ron DeSantis has not even officially been a candidate for president of the United States for 24 hours at the time that we are recording this. Mm -hmm. Already... He has um, gotten to Trump's right on a COVID reckoning, on the jab, on January 6th prisoners, including potentially a pardon for Trump. Immigration. I mean, every, every, every issue imaginable, with the exception of Ukraine, that's the one thing I've not yet seen. And someone told me he said something about it on Trey Gowdy last night. Which explains why I didn't see it. Okay. So um, uh, the hard part in beating Trump was fighting the two-front war of the distraction of the, the farcical stuff and the personal stuff, and then how he'd just get to the right of you on every issue. And since he had no record, there was, there was no real way to hold him accountable. All right? Um. DeSantis is, 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 that's not good. At the very least, Ron DeSantis is going to fight a one front war. 
there's there's going to be, and you can see this, we're not even 24 hours into this, Trump will not be to the right of DeSantis on a single, single meaningful issue. Won't happen. So that means now you're just fighting the farcical, and, and a lot of that will be, can you just stay away from it? Can you not be distracted by it? Can you stay on your message? If I was somebody like Steve Bannon, whom I intellectually respect, and, and am frankly very grateful for what he has done on behalf of exposing Operation Warp Speed. And I mean that with all 100% Steve Day sincerity. I'm grateful for it. If I'm somebody like him and I'm game planning this out, what would worry me is that we might be left with nothing to talk about other than the act. Like there is no build a wall to pivot to. You see what I'm trying to say? Yeah, what, what's, what is the issue beyond Trump that ties you to Trump. Now, that, listen, there's going to be a significant amount of people who that's the only issue they need. But is that a plurality of the GOP primary? I don't think so. I know it's not a plurality of the primary in Iowa. And that's all Ron DeSantis has to do. What, here's what Ron DeSantis needs to do. He has to win Iowa or New Hampshire if it's competitive. Win one of those two. If New Hampshire is not competitive because Chris Sununu is in the race, then he has to win Iowa. If he doesn't, he's done. But if he does, then he survives to play the next round. And the next round is not South Carolina and Nevada. It's the Super Tuesday stuff that comes after that. Because that will give his donors and his support network, we're in this for the long haul. the, The Trump people, I was talking to somebody this morning whose opinion I greatly respect and has served at with some of the most respected members of the of, of uh, you know, in terms of conservatives on Capitol Hill and knows this stuff, and he completely agreed with my analysis. Trump, if, if for Trump, if Trump is going to be the nominee, this thing is going to be over fast. Wins Iowa and/or New Hampshire, we'll see in four years, Ron. Try not to face plan in Florida before you get there. All right, but we're moving on, and still Trump's party. If if this thing goes. Is, is considered competitive past Iowa and New Hampshire, DeSantis is going to be the nominee. He'll be better funded, better organized. And that's because that's when you get into these really quick draw primaries where TV ads and everything else matter. They start compiling on you. And, they're, and they're, now they're not every eight months. They're every week now. And momentum's a huge thing, okay? He's actually going to be the one. And there won't be Fox News acting as a Trump super PAC There won't be Rush Limbaugh. God bless him. We all love him. But again, keeping it real, he was a Trump super PAC, okay? Um, Matt Drudge, none of these entities that were transcendent platforms on the right are going to serve as a Trump super PAC. At best, Fox is going to be 50-50 between the two. And and that's with a Fox that is diminished, at least some diminished in influence. We can all argue what the level of diminishment is. No one can possibly say Fox News will have more or as much influence in this race as it's had in previous ones. Fair? Mm-hmm. It just won't, okay? And so that means Trump's going to have to do a lot of this work on his own. And his people are going to have to do a lot of this work on their own. You know? All the best people? And Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, <laughs> okay? And so if, it, if this thing's over fast, Trump wins. If it's a fourth quarter game, DeSantis is going to win. And... And if, and if, if, you know, the first part of the game here is this first two months leading up to the first debate. And DeSantis has to show, like, that before that first TV timeout in a college basketball game, okay, don't get knocked out. Don't go down 10-2. Don't be down 12-2 at the first TV timeout. You know what I'm saying? 
uh, show that you can take a punch and land a few. He, I think they've already done that in 24 hours. They are ready. Ready. Then, then you'll get into the first meat and potatoes of the game, like the 10-minute mark of the first half. Okay? That'll be the first debate. Now everybody's got a lather. Everybody's sweating. You're into the game now. All right, now it's just a basketball game, right? The hype and all that, the pregame warm-ups and the, you know, and the, and the lineups, all that stuff. Now it's now we're playing, now it's just a game. And now, now the ebbs and flows of the game is in and everybody's in their rotations and, and someone's going to land a punch and go on a 10-0 run. And it, do you ever recover from that run? Do you get back up from that run? Are you the team that went on the 10-0 run? That will be the first debate. And that'll be the next thing. For DeSantis, it's about survival. First 24 hours has shown he is going to survive this first two months. This thing is not over by a long shot. The next, the first debate will then decide, will he survive the next few months? Okay. Um, but if I were someone like a Bannon, whom I intellectually respect and is a serious player in this game, he is seriously trying to save Western civilization as Trump with Trump as a vehicle. What would concern me is that we are only 24 hours into this. And what other issues does my guy have to talk about the rest of the way? other than himself. And no matter what you think of Trump, love him or hate him, talking about Trump is politically a point of diminishing returns if it's only about Trump. And I will say this as well, as much as Trump is the show to a lot of his most ardent supporters and probably all of his most ardent supporters, he did not actually come to ascendancy through the show. No, no. It was through an issue. It was through an issue. Yeah. Immigration. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if it becomes, as you just said, isolated to the show, then that's going to be a problem. Like the stuff that came out today, just lying about what happened with COVID. This stuff, th- here, I- I'm going to not get, I'm, I'm gonna, Steve, slow down. <laughs> okay. There are people I deeply respect and personally know and love. And I know them well enough to know, and they would be names you would know in the audience, folks, that are on Team Trump. That right now, I can promise you, because I know them. I've been on their shows. I know them. That right now are watching the poop he is trying to pull on Cuomo was better at COVID than DeSantis. And they're all talking to each other privately. I'm not talking about like the Trump is, you know, Trump is great. Gave us some chocolate cake. The cult leaders. I'm not talking. Those people, by the way, get, they get your, they get, they're not really serious players in this realm. All right. They're pawns on a chessboard. They, they, they get to be made to feel important. They're just being used. I'm talking serious people who are serious about this business, serious about our movement. And um, again, many of them would be names you would know and are friends of mine and people I adore. I promise you, privately, right now, they're talking about each other, they're talking to each other in their private text, like, what the, are we doing here? Are you serious? Cuomo's better, that's what we got? We're 24 hours into this, and Cuomo was better at COVID? And they're looking at Christina Pushaws and all their, all the Team DeSantis tweets, just destroying this narrative. I mean, just, just and, and you'll notice, and you know who they are, they're the ones that are going to say nothing about this. See, the ones that are the grifters are the ones that are going to run into the battle head first because they're totally fine looking like clowns because that's what they're paid to do. The serious ones. So if you want to know what names I'm talking about, look for the the clowns, the grifters are the ones that get paid to just look, that will defend the most senseless, dumb, stupidest stuff. The serious people, people that are serious about saving the country in the West 
and they're just on Team Trump are the ones that are really quiet whenever this stuff gets, whenever he goes here and plays these games, say nothing. Because they don't want their name attached to any of that bleep. They don't want to, they, they think, they don't, they, they're not here to defend the indefensible. They're not doing any of that. And now that I've done that, all of you within the sound of my voice, names instantly popped into your head when I described each camp. Did, did not do it for you guys? Sure. Were there not names that you guys immediately, oh yeah, okay, then I know which side that person's on or that guy's on or that gal's on. Yeah, okay. Now I know. Yeah. You know, if you were going to put a name on it, there's a Bannon camp and a Loomer camp. Who's serious about this and who's just a grifter and or disturbed? Okay. And the, and the, 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 the groomer or the, the loomer camps out there doing blacks for Trump videos about uh, uh, DeSantis is a racist because he won't let the CRT into the schools. Total fools. No one takes seriously except other people that are also total fools. And there's another camp, this Bannon camp, and there's some really good, good people and big names in this, in this camp. They're awfully quiet right now. Quiet is friggin' kept. Why? Because they're not getting any of the clown show on them. Because they know they're going to be here a lot longer than Donald Trump is. Trump's 80 years old. Even if he wins, this is his last lap around the track. Ain't running another one. One of my, a friend of mine who's a, who's, a, who's, who's a respected person within Trump's camp, we were having a, a, a private conversation about this about a year ago. And I and and we were being very honest with each other where he thought I was maybe being unfair to Trump and another it was just yeah, good conversation. And I said to him, I go, You are a good soldier for him. And you're doing a lot of good work. Just remember, you're gonna be here a lot longer than he's gonna be. Figure out what your line is that you're gonna say, I'm not crossing that line. And don't cross it for him, because it's gonna hurt you more than him, because this is it. This is his last race. He ain't coming back. You're going to be here a lot longer than him. And people will remember the clown you made out of yourself. Just don't do that, you know? And so you can tell who are the people that are like, this is a bleep show. I'm not not doing that on my show today. Not doing that on my pod today. Not writing about that on my blog today. Not doing that. You'll, they'll pivot to something like the awkward start, the Twitter hiccup, the, you know, um, um, uh, you know, the David Sachs donor, they'll pivot to stuff like that. Okay. So that they don't have to defend the indefensible. Those are the two camps you see in Trump world. And you can tell who's serious by who is willing to defend the indefensible and who is not. Any further thoughts or questions on that? No. Good talk. Yeah. Okay. Let me share one more thing. One of my little birdies told me last night that um, he got a he got a call from someone prominent in Trump world panicked about DeSantis in Iowa and uh, specifically decided to ask this person prominent in Trump world about me. I'm not even told you guys this yet. And said, to, you know, it's been three years. Anybody ever reach out to Dace at all? Well, we just, he was told, well, we just assumed he was going to be with DeSantis from the beginning. He goes, that's not, that's a crock. Come on. Nobody even knew for sure DeSantis was running for sure until about six months ago. And he goes, I know for sure Steve has tried to privately reach out to you guys on the COVID stuff that he cares about. And I know I've heard it on his pod. I've heard him talk about publicly trying specifically to get you guys' attention and urge his listeners to help him. 
Don't act like you aren't aware of this. And, and he said, what did you think was going to happen? Did you think you were not going to address people's serious issues? And they were just going to be willing to just overlook that and sign up. I think the answer to that question is, yeah, they, they did mm-hmm. think that. They did. Romney thought the same thing. Okay. Lost in 2008, came back and ran in 2012, figured I and did nothing to reach out to conservatives or alleviate any concerns or anything at all. And yeah, he won the nomination again, and then he lost the presidential in, election. Okay. In fairness, looking at it through Donald's Trump, Donald Trump's eyes, and we know how those eyes see by now, and you ain't going to teach this old dog new tricks, but that old dog got on stage with, again, what was the number up to in leading up to 2016, Steve? How many Republican candidates? 23. At, okay. Yep. 23, and he bested them all. I mean, I, I don't... I don't think I, it, I think it just came to his realization too late that Ron DeSantis might not be like those other twenty three. Because like and you, I could just do all the same things to him at, I did to everybody else for example. And look at everybody else yeah. in this race. Like I've said before, is amazingly more worried about Ron DeSantis. Maybe that was the tell. I don't know. But I, I think that has a lot to do with it. Look what I mean. None of us. Did a one of us think, oh, yeah, Donald Trump's coming out on top of this pile of 23. No one was taking those odds. I mean, there's a Trump. I'm watching a clip during before, during the top of the hour break of a Trump surrogate was on Newsmax with our buddy Josh Hammer today, accusing him of being a Democrat for endorsing Ron DeSantis in, a, in the primary. See, that that's not going to work, guys. <laughs> I, and that's not. I mean, it's going to work. With the people who have picked, who have portraits and paintings of Jesus with his hand on the right shoulder of, of Trump as he signs bills in the Oval Office, were those people already going to vote for Trump? <laughs> I mean, literally, no matter what. I mean, if, if <laughs> it's going to work with them, but that's not nearly as many people as you think it is. I'm telling you, it's not an insignificant amount of people either. All right. So if you think you know, don't just that's not that. Don't say it's not that many people. It's a lot of people. But if you think that's a plurality, a, a majority, um, it's not. It's a it's a lot of people to build a brand with. It's it's a lot of people to to just use. It's a monetize repeatedly. They'll they'll give you the, the last ten or fifty bucks off a, a month off. You know, between their 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 couch sheets forever or couch cushions forever. They're that devoted. But you can't win an election, let alone this primary, that way. If if we're less than 24 hours into this and we are reduced to um, Josh Hammer's a Democrat, <laughs> I, I don't know what to then. If I, again, if that's the kind of stuff I promise you, because although I don't know Bannon, I know people like him in Trump world. I've worked with them. I respect them. I like them. I think I got invited to get, be on a platform at TPUSA. I don't have any connections in that world at all. No one there knows me. That's as, that's as Trumpy as you freaking get, right? Of course I have some relationships there. I know what I'm talking about. I promise you, they're looking at that stuff right now and they're like, I ain't the one. I'm not doing, they're like, I'm not doing that. And then when you start doing that, you end up with terrible people that are willing to do stuff like that for you. Not, 
you know, you can say Pedro Gonzalez, whom I've always had a lot of respect for, and I've been telling you guys for years to get him on our show, and we finally got it done. But you may say, you may think, hey, Pedro's going overboard in his criticism of Trump. Fine. That's going to be in the eye of the beholder. But the one thing he did say recently that's 100% true. These kinds of clown antics and then the threat of lawfare against you on top of it mean that the quality of staffers he's going to be able to get is not good. Why does that matter? Because they're the ones that put things in motion. They make stuff happen. They're the ones that take the support and devotion that a, that a base has and connects that to the candidate into something that is monetizable and fungible and tangible politically. They make it happen. They're the infrastructure that makes it happen. And if your infrastructure is this blonde calling Josh Hammer a rhino on Newsmax, we're 24 hours into this. I just, I just, that, in Iowa and New Hampshire, they're just a lot, they're just way smarter than this. They just are. They're, that won't work. You're going to need more than that. What's your issue? What's different? How do we know it'll be different this time than it was before? Someone said to me recently, Steve, it is not fair to judge the legislative accomplishments as an executive of DeSantis with Trump. He had super majorities. There's some truth to that. Fair. Now, they've had Republican majorities before with Republican governors and didn't get this stuff done in Florida. So DeSantis gets some credit. He bent them to some form of his will. Some, he gets some credit. But if you want to say that that's a, that is a, a, an easier to navigate legislative environment than what Trump faced with Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan, I think we'd probably all agree with that. No matter how many rhinos are in the Florida legislature, it ain't Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. Fair. Okay. Okay, I'll grant that. Here's the problem, though. Your guy says he's perfect at everything. Yeah. And then you want to turn right around and say, then you want to, but then he's going to say, well, you know, I, I, I couldn't get Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, who I called total losers, to do anything I wanted. To me, that seems like a tough needle to thread. And it seems like everybody who will thread that, who will let you thread that needle for them, you already have them. You already have them. So I thought our buddy Oran said something. This is, I think, the fourth time he's been quoted on the show today. So Oran, dude, hopefully we got you some podcast subscriptions because you do great work, so you deserve to be quoted. But, you know, I agree with him and I've been saying my own version of this that Ron DeSantis will not win this nomination on policy alone. They, there will have to be some presentation aspect. But, but it's clear he's going to win the policy argument. Hell, he might have already won it 24 hours into the damn race. Yeah, I mean, you know, Trump can't win on presentation alone either. What's his issue? What's the signature issue that separates him from DeSantis that he will act on? So you get more than just the people who want the show. We're 24 hours into this man, and he's running out of options. Better choose one fast. show. All right, back here on the Steve Day Show for one final segment on a pre-Memorial Day weekend Friday. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends over at Relief Factor. You know, we are just about done with my wife's recovery from her bone spurs surgery, right? So we've dealt with the clinical reasons she was having knee pain. And now soon, we just got our supply in the mail yesterday, in fact, 
we will begin dealing with the chronic reasons. We got to confront the inflammation in our body uh, that was doing things like uh, creating bone spurs in our knee. And we're going to do it with Relief Factor. We're going to take the Relief Factor challenge that we've been urging all of you uh, to take here on the show. Uh, get the three-week starter kit for just 20 bucks. See if you don't see a difference in the uh, pain in your body, if it's chronic, by the way. See if you don't see a difference in your pain level in three weeks or less for just 20 bucks. And why do they offer it for three weeks so inexpensively? Because they have so, they've seen over the years when they offer this, about 70% of the people that take them up on it stick around and become uh, you know, permanent clients because of the difference that they see. It's a drug-free formula, but it was created by physicians who can prescribe drugs, and it really works. If you want to find out for yourself, go to relieffactor.com. Once again, that's relieffactor.com, or you can call them at 800-4-RELIEF. That's 800-4-RELIEF. All right, I did not intend to do an extra 30-minute political science discussion there before Feedback Friday, but I think the audience may have found at least a couple of the things we discussed valuable. Good stuff. Let's get to an abbreviated Feedback Friday. I'll get through as many of these as I possibly can, all right? Ryan says, should Republicans go out and vote for RFK Jr. in states with open primaries? I think you should consider it. In fact, let me say this. If you're one of those people that's just like, Listen, I like Ron DeSantis. I think Tim might be one of those people. I should have asked him last hour. I forgot because I think I saw him say this on Twitter. He's like, I like Ron DeSantis a lot. I'm just looking for him to give me a reason of, to vote, you know, why he's different than Trump other than personality. Because a lot of when I hear what they talk about on the issues, a lot of it's very similar. If you're like that and you're like, you know what? I really don't care which one of these guys wins and wake me up when the dumb and the divisive is over. You could do a lot worse in your state and figure out a way to vote for RFK Jr. in the Democratic primary. I have no issue with that at all. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have a moral issue with it, a strategic issue with it. What do you guys think? I don't. No, go ahead. I would say, where are we? Where are you in the primary process? I mean, if it's neck and neck, I would say probably stake, stake your uh, claim with somebody who has signed a six-week heartbeat bill into law, or the guy that overturned Roe. I would I would say start hmm. there first. If it is neck and neck. Now if it's like, hey, this thing is over by one guy's up by twenty points in the polls, it's the last week yeah. before the primary. Yeah, okay. go for it. All right. Bobby writes, Steve, love your show. I was listening to Shannon Joy recently stating that June first is coming. My thought is all Christians need to boycott any company that celebrates this. It may not move the needle much, but it will accomplish a couple of things. Number one, it will condition us to be uncomfortable and maybe we'll understand that we don't need all the comforts that we pay for. Number two, again, it may not move the needle much with companies that celebrate this, but at least we can get our pound of flesh. That is from Bobby. Bobby, I love your energy. I, I'm not sure it's possible to boycott every company that will take part in every entity. For example, your city's probably going to. <laughs> your county probably is going to. This is the national religion. You know? So I, I, don't, I don't know that it's possible to completely boycott how pervasive this cancer has become. But I love your energy. Um, in my opinion... The model to look at is the civil rights movement in the South and their bus boycotts. They took a singular industry where they had an inordinate amount of influence because they predominantly rode the buses. And it was something that city and municipal governments relied upon because they were a public function. It was public transportation. 
and they brought it to its knees. And thus made all the same points they were going to make anyway. But just with that one surgical strike. Just my suggestion. I, 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 maybe in some places it is possible to boycott every place that will take part in Pride Week. Sadly, I'm not sure many of those, there are as many of those places as maybe you are hoping. And I don't, give me, I don't even think it matters if you're in a red state. I don't. I mean, I, 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 I go into my suburban Walmart in June, man, and there's rainbow sizzlers, or sizzlers, twizzlers, rainbow Oreos. Now, I'm not buying them, obviously, but, you know, I, literally every store in my town is going to sell those. I don't I don't know how simple it is. That's why I think we need to figure out where is it we can make it hurt and make the same point, but make it hurt. Coach Ken says, you said you are more encouraged with negative reinforcement. So your show sucks. You will never have a number one best-selling book, a great movie, or a successful show. You'll never get an audience on Truth Social. Okay, forget that last point. That last point, because that's probably absolutely going to happen. Anyway, uh, I'm just being an apostle, not an assassin. I liked it. <laughs> I liked that a lot. Nailed it. Yeah, I thought he nailed it too. Uh, you know what? I should have gone back to you guys my, on the boycott point. We've talked about this before, but what do you guys? You guys want to add anything to that? Yes or no? Uh, well, as important as boycotting may or may not be, I am dismayed that there has not been now i've been seeing a few more people tweeting about this dismayed that national right to life any of these nash susan b anthony lists that's pro-life right yep um these national pro-life organizations are not making a concerted effort to completely rebrand and subvert pride month with life month maybe i've said this on the show before it needs to be rebranded it is Life Month. Even Steal the Rainbow. They're, guys. I love it. Guys, they're never going to be able to steal the rainbow. Okay? The rainbow means what it means from the Noahic Covenant. They're never going to be. Have they co-opted it, though? You bet they have. You don't have to take it back. You just have to use what's yours. It is Life Month now. That is as much, if not more, important than the boycotts. And boycotts can be effective and important when directed, I think, and concentrated in certain areas. I think you lay it out in your movie, Steve. This is a, uh, this is a religious war, and one side says it isn't, and the fairy says, that's why you're losing. And he's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. We can what you've said about a couple days last week at this time, I think about you know, blowing your mind about uh, uh, what revival would look like. You, you cannot be taunted by everyday ch- chains like Target and Bud Light and the LA Dodgers and just say, shrug your shoulders and have revival come. Revival will come when you realize you have no alternative as a church. Corporately speaking, or church individuals uh, charged with the Great Commission to say, uh, no, enough is enough. So Steve's absolutely right. Different tactics, different times, all that stuff. But if, revi- if we are serious about revival happening, 
revival will not happen with this stuff not being taken out and taken out harshly. And I dare anybody to prove otherwise. Stephanie writes, I'm wondering if you could explain in more detail about the wolves and the sheep. Sure. Um, sheep are naive uh, creatures that need to be shepherded. They run off astray. Um, they, and it has to be the right shepherd. Anything that re- resembles a shepherd, they'll just follow them. So sheep is what the Bible is, the animal the Bible most compares us to along those same lines. And sheep just don't know. They need to be fed. They need to be tended. They need to be nurtured. Okay. Wolves are predators. Wolves know exactly who they are and what they are doing. Uh, You cannot nurture a wolf. Uh, You can't tend to a wolf. Um, They are comfortable with um, whom they are. And so in a religious context, in a, in a church context, sheep are those who may be, may be making mistakes, may not be perfect, may not make the best decisions, but with the right shepherd, the right leader, the right discipling, the right guidance, stay within the pen, stay, stay on the right path. Wolves look to get you to stray from the path so they can entrap you, they can surround you, because they're hunters, they're predators. Get the analogy I'm going for? That's why we say pastors are to feed the sheep and confront the wolves. Feed the sheep and confront the wolves. Want to add anything? No, that's perfect. Okay. Next, we go to JH who says, I hear Steve say revival is the only way to come back from the current state of things, and I agree. But I fear we don't know what that looks like anymore without the three fundamentals and a complete understanding of what they are and how to implement them. There is no way to a revival. Do you think Steve would be able to adequately define what the fundamentals as he sees them and how we would implement them in our lives? Or would he be able to comment on what he thinks would be required to be in place for a revival to start? Don't we need to start getting specific on what individual Christians need to be doing in their own lives before they take action in the public sphere? Do we dare start attending meetings, running for office, etc., without identifying what needs to be rooted out in our own lives first with a method of accomplishing both that and public engagement? The guys have touched on this here and there, but do they have a formal method in mind when you are discussing these things? And it was these things, not three things earlier, I should say. Thank you for your time from JH. Well, JH, when I look at, and I've mentioned this before, but it's, I think it's been a few years since I've talked about this. When, when I look at church history and the history of revival, there, there tends to, it's, I, wouldn't, I think I've called it a formula, and it makes it sound like um, add this ingredient and this ingredient, and you get this outcome. I, I, it's, a, it's not a recipe. So maybe a formula is not the right word that I've used before. Um, let's, revival seems to be either in, inspired, spurred, or accompanied by is that a good way to put it? Then, then, so then A plus B equals C. Is that a good way to put it? Okay. Revival either seems to be inspired, spurred, or accompanied by repentance and reformation. In this case, I mean small r reformation. All right? So as in the worship, worshiping the Lord in the way he is worthy and the, and the rightly divided teaching and preaching of his word. So in other words, how do I know there's a revival? People are repenting. And 
and there's a there's a there's a yearning for small o ortho, small o orthodoxy. God's word is being taught and, pro, and and preached. And what I mean by taught is people are being discipled. Lives are being transformed, changed. What creates revival? Repentance and reformation. What are the signs we're in a revival? Repentance and reformation. I, I'm not God. I don't I don't know what the order is. You know, I don't I don't you know, I I don't know if I think it, when I think you can find evidence in, of revivals and times in history where maybe people's earnest repentance moved the heart of God, and in other times, God's sovereignty moved people to repentance. I, I, that's part of the relationship and the give and take between um, heaven and earth. But those three things either inspire or either the inspiration for one another, they accompany one another. Um, or they, 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 well, that's a good way of just putting it like that. They either inspire one another or accompany one another. Reformation, repentance, revival. That seems to be kind of a triumvirate there. What do you think? Here's what I think it's going to look like. There's this guy who shows up on a beach and he goes up to two dudes who are making a living doing manual labor that even when you labor as hard as you can at it, this case fishing, can be pretty challenging. And this dude says, leave your nets, come follow me. And they like drop everything and they follow him. Now, just, this is, they, they got uncomfortable. There's, I, I think they probably had some questions. In fact, I know they did because they asked them later on. And they don't always get it right. They don't ask, always ask good questions. But they did follow. They put it down. They go out in faith. You know, today's church, how different does it look? The early church, I, I I remember Steve's lectures on radio going back when he was a baby Christian and he's telling you about Jewish historian Josephus and like what what did people say about Jesus? And one of the famous lines I think that Jesus records about the early Christians is look how they love one another. But it's all other manner of things about how different they were. How different is the church right now? What would they give up? in order to make themselves distinct? What would they shun? What risks would they take? How would they get uncomfortable? When we say it out loud like that, doesn't it make you throw up in your mouth a little bit? Because we know the answer to that is not a good one. That's my answer. Hmm. Aaron? I would just restate kind of what you said. I, I think revival looks like acknowledgement private or public acknowledgement of the laws of nature belief in nature's god and what he did for us and then not acting like you believe but acting your beliefs i think that's pretty simple hmm. all right 90 seconds don't have time to get to another note any last thoughts on today's show the week as a whole before we say goodbye I should have talked longer there. That's my thought. <laughs> That's all right. 
Well, that, that would have been a good place to end it if you did. I'm glad I was wrong. Um, when I said, what, two weeks ago that I didn't even think DeSantis may uh, get into the race, obviously, you know, I, I had no, I have no news about that, and Steve certainly uh, didn't. But I did see a poll, and it was a poll about Floridians, and that's his backyard, and I don't even know if maybe that was twisted and bent out of shape, but then more Floridians, even after all they've seen, said they still preferred Trump over DeSantis. I just decided to make a value bet and then maybe DeSantis was the kind of guy who is like, you know, fine, you guys burn, uh, do what you want. I'm just going to be happy over here. But I mean, the guy clearly has a vision for what his calling is and has broad enough shoulders to bear that calling. And whether he wins or loses at this point, I appreciate his getting into this race because it's as bold a move that as I can recall in American politics. Hope you all have a great weekend. We're going to stick around and do overtime for Blaze TV subscribers. For everybody else, we'll see you Tuesday. Until then, John 317.